Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that ministers life to us. We open our hearts and our minds to receive from you. And I believe for the word, your spirit, to minister to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's title is Inside. We started a series last week about the heart. And if you were not here, you really should. That's the foundation, one of the foundational things and uh, about the heart. Uh, but this is the scripture we say every Sunday for this year, for the whole year. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can we read this out loud together? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This isn't uh, part, you know, we've been talking about the heart, how we think, and what we're establishing in our heart. This is a book I got uh, for Father's Day or something. Uh, it's images of, uh, about Pueblo. And it's about the history of Pueblo. This was, um, it said, Pueblo ushered in the Gilded Age in 1889 when the January 1st edition of the Pueblo Chieftain proudly declared Pueblo as the most prosperous town on earth. <clears throat> Let me try this section over here. Pueblo ushered in the Gilded Age in 1889 when the January 1st edition of the Pueblo Chieftain proudly declared Pueblo as the most prosperous town on earth. Okay, thank you very much. The Board of Trade of Southern Colorado Prospectus reported that real estate values in Pueblo had doubled in the previous year and were forecast to double again in 1889. So, how do you think about our city? How do you think about Pueblo, Colorado? I know what some of you think. And I've been working on you for months and years to change that. But anyway, how you think. How you think. Uh, I just want to review because I think it's a great foundation from last week. Um, we're talking about the heart, but obviously it's not about the physical organ that we're talking about. All right? It was last week, it was a heart like David. David was a worshiper. David was a worshiper. And uh, he thought about himself the way that God thought about him. I'm going to say it again. David, that's why God said this David is a man after my own heart. We all know the story of David, all of his failures, and well, not all of them, his major top ten probably. We know about them. They're recorded throughout all history, which if I was David, I would talk to God about that. But anyway, they were recorded for everyone to read about his mistakes. And yet, he was very successful, and besides Jesus, he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. And the reason is because he had a heart after God. He thought about himself the way that God thought about him. He knew that he was loved by God. That is a major thing for Christians because, to be honest with you, probably most Christians do not think that way. They think that God is out to get them or they don't quite measure up. 
and the list goes on and on and on. But in Proverbs 4.23, we said, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything that you do flows from it. We talked about being you're, you're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But your heart is what, if you can picture you as a person, you are a spiritual person. And what connects your soul and eventually goes to your body is your heart. Is your heart. And so your heart determines what comes out of your spiritual man. Your spiritual man is perfect. Your spiritual man is healed, whole, prosperous, has the fruit of the Spirit, has everything that God is, is in your spiritual man. You are one with God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You're one. You don't have Jesus on one compartment and you on the other. There is one with God on the inside of you. So whatever your heart will determine what flows from your spiritual man into your soul and healing Flows from within out. Prosperity flows from within out. And yet everybody is looking for what is on the outside. What is on the outside? Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. I'm going to reiterate this. We said this last week. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited, has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all of this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by His name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Everything's in you. Everything that you need in life and as far as your relationship with God is in you. Not going to get there when you get to heaven. It's already been deposited in you. Ephesians 3.20 says, God's doing exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is. And we all think it's in heaven. According to the power that's in heaven or according to the power that's in this person or that person. No, it's according to the power that is in you. In you. And uh, I really encourage everybody to read the book Switch on the Brain by Caroline Leaf. It talks, she talks about how your, the DNA in every cell in your body, it knows everything that you know in your heart. And your cells in your body will do everything possible to do what you believe in your heart. Everything. Everything. So whatever you believe in your heart is going to be manifested. Proverbs 23, 7, you know, it's a familiar scripture. For as a man thinketh, so is he. So is he. So if you see yourself a certain way, your heart will be establishing that. And it will do its best to bring it to pass. However you see yourself. And I go one step further. However you see people. You can have a an awesome marriage the first few years, and then all of a sudden you start seeing your spouse a certain way, 
And then your belief about your spouse will change. Just keep looking forward. How you believe about your kids. What you think about your kids. I know a man, you know, it was through the grapevine. He, he left our church years ago, but he said this. Uh, he said that, well, I just, I can't learn anything. He can't, that pastor can't teach me anything. Well, he may be right, but the God in me can teach him tons. So, but this is what the problem is. Once you start thinking about somebody, you will believe that, and you think it's a fact. I read this article. I, I don't believe, I, I don't know if it was a Christian doctor or whatever, but uh, he was a physician, a surgeon, actually. And uh, he, he, he didn't mention anything about God in the article at all. But he said this, he said, over years and years and years of doing surgeries, he came to this conclusion that uh, he said, I would go in and talk with people before the surgery, and sometimes it would be the easiest surgery, I mean, like zero complications, you know, and you just think, oh, this is a piece of cake. And, uh, but the person he would talk to was, was so fearful, and they thought they were going to die. And he said, Time after time again, what should have been a simple surgery, and the person would die. And then there would be uh, a case where, you know, he would be a little concerned because it was a very complicated surgery, and there was a lot involved, and, and he would be talking to the guy, and he said, oh, yeah, doctor, I know this is going to be great, and you're going to do a great job. This is going to be a piece of cake. And he goes, well, that's great, you know, and, and it would be just like that. And he came to this conclusion. He said, if I could give a pill called hope to people before surgery, he said, I wish they had something like that. We do. Jesus is the God of all hope, and we have to believe. We have to believe in the God of all hope. He said, man, after year, after year, after year, he just said he's come to the conclusion that people, their success rate, it's not based upon the physician. It's based upon the person if he's going to believe he's going to make it. Hallelujah. The way you see yourself. The way that you see yourself. How do you see yourself? You know, people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not as pretty as that one, so I, can, you know, I can't do stuff, and I can't be like that, and I'm not as educated, and, you know, so I can't be like that, and uh, I'm not that successful. Listen to me. There's people that can work themselves to the bone and they can make money, but they can't hang on to it because they do not see themselves successful. It's not a making money problem. It's a heart problem. Listen to me now. This will change your life. Change your finances. You know, we're all praying and believing God. God, pour out your finances. Help me, God. Open up these doors. And God says, it's in you. It's in you. You need to change the way that you believe about yourself. If you don't think you, you deserve to make money, if you, you will get, live paycheck to paycheck. That's no condemnation now. I'm just saying that's not God's best. You know, just believe and get a good job and just pay my bills and we'll just live paycheck to paycheck. When God says, I'm a God of abundance, 
God is the one who prospered Solomon, made him the richest man on the planet. Who did that? God. Who believed that? Solomon. It's a two-sided coin. God said that's the way he wanted it. Solomon believed it. What do you believe in about yourself? How do you believe about yourself when it comes to health and healing? How do you believe, you know? Do you believe when you get old you're, you're supposed to lose your mind? You're supposed to lose your health? You're supposed to have a cane? You're supposed to be in a wheelchair? How do you see yourself? Because, listen to me, every cell in your body will do whatever it can to produce what you believe in your heart. That's good stuff. You know, Murphy's Law is, well, anything can go wrong. And if it can happen, something bad can happen. It's going to happen to me. You're just flipping switches inside your DNA saying, yep, 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 yep. Let's just make it bad. Let's just make it all bad. Let's just make it hell on earth here. Yes, yes, yes. Well, listen to me. Your major warfare is not against the devil. Your major warfare is making sure that you establish your heart and there's so many devices and things and detractions that come against you. Your major warfare is in your heart. How are you establishing it today? How are you establishing your heart? Because out of it flow the issues of life. Life is coming out of your heart. Or you could say this, death comes out of your heart. Oh. We have to get our heart established in the love of God. I know that sounds like a simple thing, but you'll be surprised how many Christians don't think that God loved. You know, Melly was talking about the love of God this morning. Well, if you do wrong, if you mess up, you know, you, you feel like you slide down the scale a little bit with God. That's what we've been taught, and that's what people believe. If that's the case, man, that pole will go all the way to the center of the earth. You're going to keep sliding and sliding and sliding. But it's, it's a lie. But what do you believe about that in your heart? What do you believe about God in your heart? We have to get our heart established and righteous. Are you the righteousness of God 24-7? Are you the righteousness of God no matter what's going on in your life? Or is it based totally upon your performance? You're righteous one day? Oh, no, Pastor, it's not one day. Maybe one minute of that day. I'm righteous. You know, Maybe one hour if I'm doing good, having a great day. So your righteousness is based upon you. Come on now. You have to have it settled in your heart that I'm the righteousness of God. When I wake up, I'm the righteousness of God throughout my work day. When I'm sleeping at night, I'm the righteousness of God. Whatever I do, I'm the righteousness of God. You have to be established in that 24-7. Your heart has to believe that, so, that way about yourself. That you are righteous. You have to get your heart established and that you are healed and prosperous and made whole. John said, above all, I pray that you prosper and be in health. You have to be, believe that. First of all, that that's the way God wants you to be. And then secondly, you have to establish that. To get that, that did you know that's in every spiritual person, born again person? That is in them. That is in every born-again believer. But the problem is the heart stops it from going through the soul to being manifested in the body and in your life, your heart. Because in your spiritual man, 
It says, I'm the healed of the Lord. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. It says, whatever I set my hand to, I'm going to prosper. That is inside of your spiritual man. But your heart goes, "Ah, I don't know if I can believe I'm always supposed to be healed, or I don't know if I can always walk in health and healing. I don't know if I'm supposed to really have an abundance. Whatever your heart believes, that's what's going to happen. Mark chapter 6, Jesus in his hometown, he could do there no mighty work. The Son of God could do no mighty work. Why? Because the people in his hometown believed in their heart that he was just a good old boy, Jesus. I used to play kickball with him. I used to hammer nails with him. I know Jesus. He's no great physician. He's nobody special. The Bible says he could not do any mighty work there because people believed in their heart. It wouldn't happen. What happened? Jesus went about their city, synagogues, and he started preaching and teaching. Why? To change their heart. To change their heart. So, you have to be establishing the grace of God. And some people believe that this is a problem. We have information up here, but we don't have it in our heart. The grace of God is such a, a common thing. You know, people get in a ditch. On, there's a ditch on both sides of the roads. You know, the grace of God is, oh, praise God. I can do anything I want. You know, God still loves me. It doesn't matter. Sin's not an issue. No matter what I do. Well, that's a ditch on one side. But then there's a ditch on the other side that uh, people think that, I, I just don't know about this grace. I believe that God loves me and everything, but the grace of God to, to, to empower me to live a godly life, yeah. The grace of God not only helps you vertical relationship with God, but the grace of God, when we get a revelation of that, it will start helping your relationships this way. Because you'll start looking at people the way God sees them. Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody that you knew, your spouse, your children, your friends, and everybody would start looking at you the way that God sees you? That's my son. That's my daughter. You you make sure that you treat them respectfully because I'm their father. You know, if you're a dad and if you have a daughter and some dude comes and knocks on the door and he's going to take your daughter out, There's just something about a dad that just looks him in the eye and just gives him the look. (laughs) Just gives him the look. And you make sure you got a shotgun hanging up on the goal, you know, just, yeah, I'm a hunter. I'm not a hunter, but I do have guns. Okay, that's probably not a good example. But anyway, my point is this, you know, we, we need to treat people the way that God wants people to be treated. And guess what? You and I can't do that in our own physical ability. Because you and I get ticked off about stuff. We get ticked off if people don't even use their blinker. Come on. We get ticked off about anything and everything. So there's just something inside our flesh. You know, we get ticked off. But listen to me. If we have a revelation of the grace of God, you'll tend to love people and respect people and be kind to people. I saw this definition of kindness. It says this. 
loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. Oh, that's good. Maybe you didn't hear it. It said this. It says, loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. That is so good. That is so good. That is so good. Everything happens on the inside. Matthew 13, verse 10 through 15. This is a passion translation. It says this. Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? He explained, you've been given an intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart, listen to this real carefully. Everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open heart, a teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables. Because they think they're looking for truth. Yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see But the eyes of their hearts are closed. The eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. And their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And they have deliberately, they have, they have deliberately shut the eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand and they would turn to me and let their instant, instantly heal them. It says they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. They made the choice. They made the choice. Those choices determine the ability to hear something and not understand it. You and I do that every day. We do that every day. Even though they hear the truth, their heart will not accept it. So we need to keep our hearts sensitive to God. You know, I said the number one quality for every believer is not faith, it's not love. The number one quality for every believer is to be teachable, to stay teachable. So, but because Jesus taught in such a way that they, that if they had a heart, an open heart, they'd catch it. But if they didn't, they would not. Being teachable. God wants us to have an understanding heart. You can get knowledge and never get understanding. You can have a ton of knowledge in your brain up there, but never get understanding. You can have knowledge and just search for it and search for it. But I'll say this. It's kind of like the grace message. Like I was saying, some people just don't get it. They just don't get it. You can have information or knowledge, but it will not manifest or come to pass because of your heart, because of my heart. It takes what you have up here to become revelation. It's all about your heart. There are people who want more information and knowledge, and there are people who want a sign or a miracle. They think that's going to change their life. It will for the time being, but when it comes to 
long term, you have to have your heart changed. I'm telling you. I know I'm believing for miracles for people in our church. But I do know this. God does not want our life to be from one miracle to the next miracle to another miracle to a miracle to where you're just having to have to have miracles. I think it would be better if you and I would have the wisdom of God inside of us to let in our hearts to be established to whatever is in our spirit to flow and to be manifested on a daily basis. I believe that's a better way to live. God wants us to have an understanding heart, to live with his wisdom in our hearts so that we don't have to just keep believing for a miracle. But listen, wisdom is having the ability to apply what you know in a practical setting. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but wisdom will take that knowledge and have it applied in your life so it becomes manifested. An understanding heart comes from Jesus and his word. You say, I need to have an understanding heart. Well, understanding comes because you choose to believe. Understanding comes because you choose. It's a choice. I just don't understand that. Well, let me show you that believing comes before understanding. You think it would be the opposite. Matthew, or Matthew, Hebrews 11.3. Believing brings us to a place of understanding. By faith, we understand. Which came first? Faith, believing. By faith, we understand. We've got that flip-flop. We want to understand and then we'll have faith and believe. Did you catch that? By believing. By believing in God. By believing you're healed. By believing you're prosperous. By believing you're the head and not the tail. By believing you're full of patience and full of kindness and full of the goodness of God. By believing we understand. That the entire universe was formed at God's command and that we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. By believing, we understand. Proverbs 4.20 helps us in this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. Health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. But what's the foundation? It's getting a hold of the words of God and keeping them so that you will believe what those words say about you and me and about your situation. Man, it's important. You know, it's kind of just like... It would be, you know, I love when we were in Africa, you know, I, love, I got to where mangoes was my favorite food. I love mangoes. You like mangoes? Mangoes in America are not as good as mangoes in Africa when you can pick them off the tree. I'm just saying. But Melody, she's been gifted about picking. I do not buy mangoes because when I just go, looks like a mango to me. I take it home and it's like, you want to spit it out, you know, and it's my favorite fruit. And but in Africa, you there was no such thing as a bad mango. You pick it off, and it's all oh, we had a mango tree in our yard, huge tree. My mouth's starting to water right now. But anyway, 
but uh, if I tell somebody, you know, what does a mango taste like? It tastes, you know, like uh, it's good and uh, tastes like, well, does it taste like a banana? No, nothing like a banana. Strawberry? No, not a strawberry. What does mango taste like? Tastes like a mango. You have to taste it, and then you go, oh, that's what a mango tastes like. That's what a mango tastes like. See, I can tell you about the goodness of God. I can tell you about the Word of God. I can tell you about so much information about, the, about God, how good He is. This is why it says in Psalms to taste and see that the Lord is That the Lord is what? (laughs) People say, you know, the Lord gave me this sickness. The Lord, you know, he repossessed my car. The Lord did this and the Lord did that. But the Bible says taste and see, not that the, the, the Lord is bad. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But this is the problem with the church and with people in general is that you can talk about how good he is, but it's just like telling, trying to explain to somebody what a mango tastes like. I can tell you and try to tell you, but I just really can't tell you. You have to bite into it, and then once you do, oh, man, that's good stuff. That's the way it is about God. Oh, when you start tasting and seeing, when you start spending time in his word and saying, God, I'm not filling out my religious square today. If I read one sentence out of your word and just meditate upon that, I'm not trying to fill out. I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm not trying to to get accepted by you. I'm just reading your word because I want to taste and see. I just want to spend time with you because I just want to taste and see. I'm not going to set my alarm. You know, I did that years ago. I would set, you know, set alarm. You know, set a clock. Have you ever done that? It's, it's just, it's horrible. I mean, like, if you want time to slow down, do something like that. Okay, I'm going to spend an hour before God. It's like years, it seems like. You know, you could just, ching, ching. Those are seconds. It's like, wow. Man, I, I mean, I've prayed quite a while. You look up there, and it's five minutes. And you think, oh. You know, I, I'm, God was probably bored stiff as well. You know what I mean? Like, I wish you wouldn't do this. It's just bad. It's, it's bad for both of us. You know, I think God would say that. I think he would say, hey, Mike, God, you need to quit. This is bad for both of us. I mean, it's not like I'm busy or anything, but I'm just telling you, this isn't good for our relationship. Man, I just want, God wants it to be just fluid. Like when we go out with coffee with our friends. You don't go, okay, wait a minute. I got the timer set. Okay. You got 20 minutes. Who does that? Not a good friend. But no, you just talk. And the more I do that with God, the more I'm, what am I doing? I'm tasting and I'm seeing. I'm seeing that, man, he loves me. He'll talk about things that, oh, yeah. He'll talk about things that I didn't know were a problem in my life to to help me out. Not for judging, because he wants me to be the head and, Not the tail. That's the way he sees me. And he says, Mike, I need you to see something. God wants you to see some things about yourself. And everybody, you know, deals with maybe an insecurity here and insecurity there. And God would just, little by little, he'll just draw that out and squash it. So that you're secure in him. 
He wants to see you. You say, well, I'm doing pretty good business-wise. You know, I'm doing pretty good prosperous-wise. Yeah, yeah. For somebody on that level? You think you can do a little more? You think you can be healthier a little bit more? Think you can love your, your spouse a little bit more? You know, if you were married, that was the best time to say amen. <laughs> you, let me say it one more time. We, we'll go over it. You, you think you can love your spouse a little bit more? Yes. Okay. You can rewind it on the tape for those who are watching my, on the air. But anyway, you, you can. You can. And guess what? There is grace inside of you to give you the ability to do it all. It's not based upon, I'm just going to work harder at it. You know, when I work harder on trying to love my wife, usually I screw it up and, and it's worse. But man, when I just say, thank you, God, for helping me love my wife. Thank you for helping me be a better pastor. Thank you for helping me to read the word. Thank you for acknowledging, what am I doing? Acknowledging my father God and believing that he has given me the ability to be great at everything that I do. In spite of Mike Davis. What are you believing in your heart? It needs to be worked on. That's why he said guard it. With everything, your strength and might and your ability, guard your heart. For out of it, out of it's going to flow the issues of life. We're looking for things on the outside, ladies and gentlemen. We're looking for things on the outside to change our life. When all we need is a heart change. Start thinking differently. The Bible talks, and we'll talk more about this later on, but talks about a crooked heart, perverse heart, hard heart. And we'll help you with that. So you're, Because God has given you a heart of flesh that can absorb everything that's in your spirit. Take it to your soul, your will, your mind, and your emotions. And let it flow throughout your body. It will start flipping those DNA switches to the goodness of God. Your cells are being renewed. It's amazing what, how you can get re, regenerated, regenerate yourself. Dr. Spencer, am I talking right? Yes, thank you. Your cells are being regenerated. It's amazing. You get brand new cells and yet they still turn into the cancerous cells. How, how, how is that possible? You want me to tell you why? Because the memory of their cells, they, they will do what you want them to do. So your cells have memory. And they'll do what you, you believe for them to do. I'll get back behind here. I'm just saying, you are, we say this, but we don't understand it. You are wonderfully, miraculously made in the very image of God. You are in the very image of God, ladies and gentlemen. But this is a problem. We need to manifest the image to where people can understand it, and you can see it manifest and believe that it will cause people to go, man, what, how, what is different about that guy? What is different about that young lady? We all have the same stuff on the inside of us. The very faith of God. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, Paul said. Yet, it's not I that liveth. It is 
Christ in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not Mike Davis's faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of God is in every believer. We read his word, and it causes that faith to come alive within us. It doesn't really come alive. It causes it to come out of our spirit, and your heart turns to switch a faith on to go through your soul and into your body. That's why you need the word. That's why you need to hear preaching. That's why you need to, ooh. That's why we need it, the goodness of God. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Praise God. Let's stand. You know, I, I, I probably love Pueblo more than any person born and raised in Pueblo. I'm from Kentucky. But I love this city probably more than any city I've ever lived in. And I believe, maybe it's because God called me to this city, but I believe that this is a great city. I believe it's a, it's a city that God has his eye upon. I believe it's a city that has great jobs. I believe it's a city where people can prosper and be in health and raise a godly family. I believe it's a great city. But this is the problem with the people of our city. I come in contact with the majority of the people that I come in contact with. They do not believe that about Pueblo, Colorado. Let's change that. Let's change it. Let's change it. It'll start with your heart. Because many of you probably believe that about Pueblo. Pueblo? Did he say Pueblo, honey? As in Colorado? I mean, Pueblo. I did. I believe God created this city. I believe God has good things for this city. You and I need to believe that. Of course, if you observe the things, man, I can tell you a laundry list of terrible things, you know. I mean, uh, I've personally talked with the mayor and didn't like that outcome. But I can sit there and just say all kinds of negative things about the the politicians. I can say all, all kinds of negative things about the school, which a lot of those are true. A lot of those are true. I can say a a lot of negative things about the job situation. I can say a lot of negative things about, you know, we we need more health care and more this. I I can say all of those, and I can say, yep, yep, yep. And that can be your focus. Let me just ask you that. Is anything going to change if that is your focus? No. But if you start establishing your heart about the goodness of God for our city, I said, if you start establishing your heart about the goodness of God in our city, just start out by saying, I know one thing. You may not be able to dig very deep. But if you can say this, I know one thing, you, and everybody should amen this. God loves Pueblo, Colorado. Amen. I said, God loves Pueblo, Colorado. Amen. Well, start there. You say, you know, Pastor, I just can't get past all this negative stuff in our town. I mean, it's just bad. It's bad. You, I was born and raised here. I've been here for 50 years. You just, you're not been here that long. I've been here for 50 years. You just don't know. People in this city are wicked. 
Everybody's wicked. You just don't know all the bad stuff that goes on. You're probably right. But I don't need to know. And I'm not sticking my head in the sand. But where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So we're in prime time property for God just to just blow this city apart. But you know what he's waiting on? You and me. Everybody's waiting on God. God's going, "Uh, excuse me, That's, that's not the problem. The problem is the hearts, listen to me, the hearts of my believers. If my people, not the devil's kids, but if my people will humble themselves and pray. If my people would believe the best. If my people would believe the best. If my people would believe the best. God's not waiting on the, for the whole world to... He took 12 disciples and changed the world. If my people would believe the best. If they would believe good things about this city. If they would speak forth... Proverbs 11, 11. Can you pull that up? I believe it's Proverbs 11, 11. Look at, uh, there's a better translation than I know, but I don't know it. Pull it up and see what it says in uh, whatever translation you throw up. By the blessing of the upright, the city's exalted. Listen to me. By the blessing of who? That's you and me. That's the righteous. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Why do we want to get in the same crowd of the wicked with our mouth? We do. I have. I mean, I've sit there, but you know, I mean, I'm an ex-FedEx driver. And so, man, I've complained about people. I go, people in Pueblo, they should just not even give driver's license. Just, just, just put people behind the wheel because that's the same, same thing, same thing. You know? And I complain about stuff like that. Guess what I see constantly? Bad drivers. And they're attracted to me. Bad drivers are attracted to me. Why? Because that's what I believe in my heart. Because that's what I believe in my heart. Because that's what I believe in my heart. You can exalt the city by what you believe in. Or you can agree with the wicked and just let whatever comes out of your mouth come out of your mouth. And then whatever starts coming out of your mouth, you will believe that in your heart. All the angels of heaven can come and plant themselves in Pueblo, Colorado. And just ready to do good stuff. But if all the believers are going, I tell you what, this The angels aren't going to be able to do a thing. The angels will not be able to do a thing. God will not be able to do a thing because it's people, what they believe in their heart. Amen. Okay, I'm really done this time. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. You're changing us, causing us to see things differently in our heart, causing us to see, first of all, ourself, causing us to see God in a different light, a different attitude causing us to see our city, causing us to see our spouse, our children, our church even, causing us to see our church in a different light, causing us to see things differently, Father. We believe that in Jesus' name. Thank you for helping us do it. Amen.